Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of Around the Campus, featuring the Engineering and Management Department. And today we're visited by Golshan Madraki to cover mathematical modeling and its real-world applications, including social media. Yeah, all, all together, really enjoyed having Golshan on today. It was honestly a ton of fun, um, super insightful, really knowledgeable about the subject. What do you think about it? Yeah, absolutely. She was super-duper knowledgeable, had lots to say, found all the stuff about social media and mathematical modeling, really insightful. Um, just enjoyed being able to hear about someone who really loves their field and applied it in an interesting yeah, way. Yeah, you could really tell that she loved it a lot. Yeah, um, it was a real passion of hers. Yeah, definitely. Well, we hope you guys enjoy this episode too. This is the Ignite Podcast. Um, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clarkson Ignite podcast. My name's Alexander Kupin, and I'm joined here by Jonathan Shelton and our wonderful Professor Madraki. Um, she is a professor in the E&M department, and she's been working on a plethora of different projects, and um, we're really excited to have her on talk about all the cool things that she's been in. Um, so go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us about yourself. Where are you from? Hi, everyone. That's uh, so exciting joining you. Uh, thank you for inviting me, guys. Uh, so my name is Golshan Madraki. Uh, so I joined Clarkson in 2017. I'm originally from Iran, and I did my PhD uh, in Ohio University in Athens, beautiful Athens, Ohio. And I joined Clarkson uh, four years ago. Since then, I was uh, working on different research projects, and I teach uh, different courses, including project management and system engineering. Yeah, I, I actually love Athens. It's a really cool place. I've been. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. I like call or I like uh, Ohio. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. So, what uh, has gotten you kind of interested in math and modeling and all this very cool research that you've been doing? Sure. Um, so my my bachelor and my master was in uh, industrial management, mm -hmm. which is pretty close to engineering and pro uh, management program that we have at Clarkson. Uh, so after that, I got admission from Ohio University for PhD in industrial engineering. My advisor, uh, Dr. Robert Jodd, uh, was um, technically. Uh, electrical and system engineering mm. uh, professor at the time, but he was uh, the department chair of industrial engineering. So his rich background in computer science, mathematical modeling, and also um, more engineering sides of the program helped me to actually be get more interested into mathematical modeling, uh, algorithm, and graph theory. When... Uh... When was kind of the turning point where you where you realized like this is really what I want to do? Like, was there a like a moment of like pure inspiration that you had? <laughs> oh, uh, yes, yes. Honestly, so I'm always looking at doing stuff in the best way that is possible. Mm. So, and mathematical modeling is about optimization, but obviously there are some constraints. Uh, so, for example, when you go shopping, right, grocery shopping, you want to get things done as soon as possible right. in budget, right? So 
I was always think that, okay, so how all these factors come to each other? Also, like in the flights, when you have like tons of scheduling and how they are doing this. I remember I took a course when I was undergraduate student and it was operations research. And the base of this operations research is the um, uh, basics for mathematical modeling, like uh, maximum, minimum, uh, you know, subject to different constraints. I remember I was uh, in grocery shopping, I was doing grocery shopping, and I realized that, oh my God, all of these have some applications. And yeah, that was <laughs> a moment that actually hit me. And I think, yeah, since then, I'm huge fan. That's the, only, the only inspiration I get from going to the grocery store is what to eat next. So Yeah, oh it's, it's, it's snack foods and candy. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, Aww. definitely. Yeah. Um, and I know you're... Research currently is really interesting. Um, it's about um, the different ways you can categorize and classify um, social media posts and things like that. Well, so why don't you get into a little bit about what you're doing? Oh, sure. So, uh, honestly, it's not about like uh, analyzing the post. It's more than analyzing the network overall, mm -hmm. not just post. Um, so. Uh, we realize that there are, uh, so social media is huge deal nowadays, right. right? So everybody, I think it's the first thing that most of us is doing is to checking some of the social media's platform Definitely. right away while we, you know, waking up. And, you know, we, go, we get our news from social media. We get our social life mm -hmm. nowadays because of COVID from social media. And... Um, some people play games, and so you everybody got the impacts, huge impacts on social media on our lives. So we realized that uh, graph theory is a really cool model that can express and describe this network, this complicated network. So that being said, we want to understand um, the dynamic of the social media by defining them as a graph theory. For example, each node in this network is represents one user, and all the edges in these co complicated networks refers to the connection between users, followers and following. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine like a sub-network, sub right? Network of students at Crockston University, how they are connected to each other. All seniors are more connected or no professors mm. versus students. So if you can come up with a modeling approach that can actually describe these dynamics of the system, of the network, then you can go further and you can actually get access to, uh, you can predict, you can get access to more information from this network. And you can also um, diagnose some disease in this social media, <laughs> for example, polarization. Yeah. Yeah, I know in uh, graph theory, um, what it kind of sounds like is you're making these like clusters, almost like getting like these data clusters of different users and kind of throwing them into their own categories. That's right, based on uh, who follows whom and based on uh, 
the post and also there are some techniques that you can tell based on the text based on the mm -hmm. text analysis from the post you can tell how this cluster can be created can be actually distinguished from each others on this nested network that's so pretty you cool. had to explain it in like layman's term how would you go about and just how would you go about explaining how the nuts and bolts that you went about uh, to obtain this information and do your research. Um, so, um, do you mean? Uh, do you mind if you elaborate on the question? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, when you were going into this research, um, just in your like loose ideas, what were you thinking? Like, how can I set this up? What? How can I use this information that I've been given? And how can I get useful data? What was like the broad bird's eye view of how you thought to connect it all together? All right, so um, the first thing uh, we did was that, um, so we were talking to some of the colleagues about what happened to uh, misinformation. So we, what weird things we have heard about misinformation, COVID misinformation related. So right. it was like 2019 that I started this branch of research. So it's pretty new to me as well, but I'm exploring. I already published two papers. I'm yeah. uh, uh, publishing two more. Two, so two mores are coming. Congratulations. But, uh, thank you so much. So, but I'm actually telling you the back story. What, what happened that it started? We were talking to uh, my colleagues. One of the colleagues were from China. The other colleagues was from uh, United States. Right. So we were talking about uh, like a casual conversation about what weird stuff we have heard about COVID. Then we realized that, wow, how different are these things that we get from our social media feeds? Because in Iran, so I'm from Iran. In Iran, WhatsApp is very popular. Mm -hmm. um, but Facebook, Twitters are banned by the government. <clears throat> Uh, in China, Weibo and WeChat are really popular, and the rest of the common social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, are banned by the government. So uh, most of the Chinese social media are in Chinese, so you cannot find like English. Mm -hmm. People post in Chinese more. So that being said, makes the environment and landscape of these social media's platform very different. We realized that, okay, that could be a really cool idea, cool topics for research. So we started doing an experiment by collecting data manually. You wouldn't believe it, but we were uh, a team of eight people, so we are working with undergraduate students and graduate student in our team, and we started to collect data. We take advantage of our very diverse team. We had uh, people from three continents, four countries speaking six different languages, so we started to collect data manually. That being said, we collected from seven platforms, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Weibo, WeChat, and uh, what else? Uh, so one more. <laughs> anyway, so six platforms, and then we start to collect data uh, from about COVID-19 misinformation. Then we realized that, okay, so some of these are not even misinformation. We don't know. 
So uh, we decided to focus on the debunked misinformation, the, the misinformation that has been passed through some fact-checking process, like verified fact-checking process. So that was just, you know, one case study um, paper that we came up with. And then we realized that, okay, so it's not possible if we want to extend this research. So we are working on API to pull data automatically using some code and uh, you know uh, AI machine learning uh, to get this information. So this information could be post number of followers, number of followings, uh, the joint date to each of these platforms. So yeah, we can do tons of analysis over these data, these big data. Yeah, that's amazing. Is this, was it sort of similar? I know you did research in the past on manufacturing and how you can improve efficiency. Was that sort of similar to that or is that kind of a different process? Uh, I would say it's different, but uh, we are using... Yeah, it's, uh, I feel like it's pretty different. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it is admittedly pretty yeah. different, but I know graph theory can be applied to both. So exactly. what is yeah. like, how did you go about... Um, the differences between large social media da data to like making a manufacturing line run better? Sure. So um, uh, that that's actually a really good question. So um, when I want to describe my background in research, I always said I'm expert in graph theory and <laughs> algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I apply it in two different branches, one in manufacturing, one in social media. Absolutely. So I already talked about the social media mm -hmm. branch. Now let's talk about the manufacturing uh, branch. So all manufacturing systems um, that we are working on, like flow shop, job shop, there are some products or some jobs that needs to be processed by some machines. So you can imagine that we, might, we can have a network of jobs that are going through all these machines to be processed and get out, right? So this system can be also described by graph theory, by a network. Still, uh, so the process of one job on one machine is called uh, operation. Mm -hmm. So each operation is represented by nodes, and the connection between nodes uh, are represented um, the orders of the jobs or the process right. of the jobs that going through all these machines. And they have right? a certain like cost associated with each um, each transition, right? Um, it could be different measurement. Cost is one of them. The other one is the processing time. Time, mm -hmm. cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Some it. utility. Exactly. Optimizing for cost and time in yeah. production. That's right, guys. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yes. Very, very cool. Yeah. Do you see yeah. anything new coming in that area? I know AI and a bunch of other very scary technologies from the general public's view where it's not easily understandable. Yeah. Do you see anything from those areas starting to enter manufacturing? Uh, or do you just, in general, see a direction where manufacturing is going from your perspective? I know um, a lot of people are really scared, actually, about deep learning and stuff like that. But yeah, it's absolutely. actually a lot, um, it's a lot safer than people think, and it's a lot 
it's very misunderstood. It's very math driven. Whereas people think it's, oh, you're literally creating some other worldly brain that's going to go run off yeah. and then do whatever. Absolutely. But for the most part, it just deep learning and machine learning in general just are um, mathematical models, just like in graph theory, yeah. that you can use to train um, on certain data in order to get an outcome. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Absolutely right. What you were saying earlier about how you and a colleague from a different social media platform or the same social media platform seeing two completely different sides of that, it is really interesting to see how, like, different social spheres see completely different news feeds on their, um, on their like, social media and it's even gotten to a point where um, you have these, you have these like sub subspaces within a social media platform. So Echo like, chambers would be the word, I believe. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool, and um, I really, really would like to see um, that research going forward, and because I, I want to know how different social media feels like and like what it is in let's say like the like in china's social network versus like facebook or something like that because it has to be way different do you also see that sort of thing like in business um with different businesses being sort of shuttled to different people groups um absolutely for example um the word influencers, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that we didn't have it even uh, <laughs> yeah. like in ten, 10 years ago. Yeah, right? absolutely. Nowadays, businesses focusing their marketing approach using social media, using these influencers, rather than you know making ad, you know using television kind of promotions ad. So that means. Actually, that proves the impacts of social media. That proves that the trend or ch that pr the trend is using social media, and uh, more than one million person in the world has more than one million followers. Wow. With one million followers on just Instagram, you can have a really comfortable life financially. Mm -hmm. So, these numbers are very meaningful. I'm saying that the future of the world, future of the research, and future of the industry has something to do with definitely impacts of social media, either directly related to social media or get the huge impact from social media, even if it is like a product or mm -hmm. tangible products. Very interesting. Yeah, that that is a lot to think about. I and I mean, yeah, there are a lot of dangers in social media too, which is uh which is I mean, it's unfortunate we see a lot of like health problem, like mentally health problems associated with it. Yeah. Um and it is it's sad to see. Yeah. Do you, um do you see like companies using AI and graph theory and other um advanced models to help combat problems that they see on their site? whether that be um, too much echo chambers or they want to improve um, their response to ads or other um, behaviors like, hey, this person seems to be just incessantly on this, our site. 
Do they want to promote that? Do they not want to promote that? What's like your opinion since you've been, spent so much time in this field? What do you get um, like the general direction that um, these industries want to like move in? Of course. So um, I noticed that uh, I'm talking about like before Twitters and Facebook banned some uh, users because of the echo chambers, because of polarization, because of extreme point of views, right? So before that, everybody believes that, okay, so we have a, a freedom of, of a speech. Social media platforms provide easy access um, platform for all users to get access to audiences and, you know, uh, freely talk their mind to them. Now, uh, based on Recent um, projections, people realize that we need some sort of control. So obviously based on our observations from Chinese social media with like huge uh, government um, restrictions and considering Iran as government, has, having government restrictions and U.S. with no all no restrictions, we realize that some level of control would be good in terms of um, would be beneficial for users in terms of mm -hmm. uh, helping uh, like misinformation, you know, avoiding misinformation, yeah. disinformation. On the other hand. The control level that not silencing the voice of the uh, countries, that the voice of the people that needed for um, take countries accountable for their actions. Yeah, that's you, definitely a balance that you got to find. Like it, because there is a point where it's like, yeah, because if you search on Google, like any famous celebrity, like. You know how people be like, oh, so-and-so, some celebrity died, it's so sad. And then you search it, and then it's not true at all. But yeah. if you search any celebrity's name on Google, you'll see death right next to their <laughs> name. And it's just like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> you can't, like, there's yeah. definitely, like, those random posts that, like, people just push out because they want attention, things like That's that. That's true. true. Yeah. Um, moving into another direction. Um you are currently teaching a really interesting class um, about system design. Um, and how do students get involved in that? And what are the, what's the kind of the course and the curriculum, curriculum you're doing for that? Thank you for bringing it up. That's uh, actually uh, one of my favorite part of being <laughs> a professor. Teaching is my passion, at, uh, and I'm so uh, blessed and uh, lucky to have this job which, because it's my dream job. So uh, <laughs> yes, project management and system engineering are two courses that currently I'm teaching at Clarkson. And, um, during the fall, I'm teaching uh, system engineering. So part of the system engineering is uh, design. So we started with design and the concepts related to design. Um, so 
the, the course um, could be offered in different versions. So for example, for in computer science, there is a course, three credit course for uh, as a system engineering, but it's absolutely different from what we are teaching in uh, School of Business. Uh, so we incorporate some aspects of management, uh, like financial aspects of the systems, and so on. So back to your question about the design. So we have a a design challenge at the beginning of the semester, like a th one third uh, after passing like three, four weeks of the semester, uh, we have a design challenge. Uh, and we are actually using a very cool uh, room in the School of Business, mm. like a second floor of a snail. Uh, there is a oh, studio. studio. Yeah. 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 We love the studio. With tons of uh, materials and, you know, even Legos, whatever, name it. Just whatever facility and equipment mm. that you want, there are around you, and people and students are allowed to use everything in that room to design a system. So every semester, I come up with some new systems, or sometimes I'm using the same systems, but people surprise me with their uh, creativity. How innovative are our students uh, by coming up with different models? So. We are practicing uh, modeling, and we are practicing actually creativity, innovation, and also all the techniques and uh, concepts from design, including design-dependent parameters, design-independent parameters, and uh, uh, technical performance measure for each of these parameters. That's so, amazing. So what does, uh, what does a student's role in the class look like from start to finish? Sure. So, um, uh, you are you talking about just the design part, or mm -hmm. the, yeah? Uh, so we, um, they are in charge of making uh, a model for a system. So I gave them some um, details about a system. So I will be their customers <laughs> at the time, and they will be system engineering. Nice. Uh, system engineers, sorry, and they need to actually make. Uh, the system for me. So, for example, this semester we uh, used a water system. So, I was a customer, I need water system for my house. I have two um, water consumption center, let's say kitchen and bathroom. So, there mm. is a water source uh, located 50 feet away from my house. And a student needs uh, need to make some assumption and like come up with the parameters and design parameters and make the model using um, every, using every single uh, materials that they are they have access to. Do you see like new innovations coming into that area? Is there a certain technique that you'd like to foster um, in your students um, that you would like to share so everybody could maybe try to think in that mindset? Of course, I'm saying that everything around us, could be a system. And systematic thinking is a very important um, paradigm in our current life. What does that mean? It means that always think about uh, a system as a part of the larger system. So let's say in this room, uh, this room can be a part of the larger system, which is this building, or could be a part of the media, like a media system overall. So 
when you look at this you have a better holistic approach and then you can come up with the consequences of your decisions what um, uh, what considerations do you need to make in order to design a system more efficiently mm. when you have a systematic thinking so like really detail oriented mindset yeah while you're thinking holistically mm. so details versus uh, you know top down and bottom up <laughs> yeah, upright, yeah absolutely if i was someone just brand new to this style of thinking where would i go to like start to find out more about it so obviously internet yep. <laughs> obviously yep. internet we love yeah we uh, love youtube uh, there are tons of good uh, papers uh, like academic papers on google scholar about system engineering um, so one cool idea about system engineering is that all system has four major elements input process output and feedback or control so depends on uh, what area you want to focus you can search tons of good materials on internet on one of these um, elements of the system but process obviously has a whole whole world yeah. of the system yeah. the, these courses definitely are, i think are incredibly beneficial for students yes, yes absolutely i think there needs to be more um there needs to be more courses where they actually go through the full design process because when you get out into the real world it's not like school at all you gotta have you gotta make sure your clients are also satisfied and they're updated with like the current stuff as well, which Absolutely. is very important. Yeah. Do you see a lot of practical application of this in the career um, as very like directly? There's, there's some fields that are very necessary, but don't always get used all the time when you're in the professional workforce. Is this something that you would think is more towards, yeah, I'm gonna use this every day, or this is something that I really need to understand for me to be able to do the work that I do every day? I think it is something that you need it every day. Why? Because as I said, everything around us is a system. Yeah. And the thing is that, so in the system engineering, we have a chapters talking about economic aspects of the system. We talk about design. We talk about optimization of the system. Because when it comes to system, you have different alternatives, and you need to make a decision. So decision making uh, tools and techniques, right? So for example, multi-criteria decision making uh, tools and uh, multi-criteria decision uh, analytics are absolutely necessary for every day of our lives. Also, I said input process outputs. So mm. how, how this works? based on some queuing theory. So we have one chapter talking about queuing theory. And that's something that next time when you are in Walmart, <laughs> you will say, okay, which checkout li uh, line should I join because I want to optimize the waiting time. I want right. to minimize the waiting time. So as you can see, uh, tons of cool stuff that you, there are tons of application about that will be covered by this course and by these actually topics. And yeah. what is, and what is that, what is that course again? EM four eighty two system engineering and management. Okay, that's Amazing. exactly. Sweet. <laughs> I'm glad. You mentioned that you also taught project management. Would you care to tell us a little bit about that as well? Oh, sure. That's 
that's another <laughs> must to take a course, at least to me, because uh, first off, that's open to everybody across campus. So it's not just for engineering and management students. Uh, so the code is EMOM380. So I have a student from civil engineering, I have a student from science, and obviously from School of Business. So um, in this course, we will go over uh, scheduling and budgeting, which mm, is critical skills. Critical, critical skills, skills for critical. everybody, regardless. So um, also, we are going to talk about how represents um, our project. So we have we are using network and graph theory to pre actually <laughs> model our of projects, course, of course. right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's really amazing. That sounds like a course that we should be on yeah. everybody's list, especially if they mm -hmm. want to maybe own their own business or go into management or anything exactly. where they might have to deal with more than just the nuts and bolts of a project. I know a lot of entrepreneurs at Clarkson that definitely should be taking that class. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for actually promoting this. Yeah. But yeah, they are absolutely important courses. Yeah. Um, and then you also talked about um, your, your research group in general, and you have a lot of different diversity there. Um, how did those students, like, how do you recommend them finding these research opportunities and kind of getting themselves out there into, like, talking to professors about their research and kind of getting involved in that? Um, so I, I'm, I'm super lucky to be uh, in an interdisciplinary program that we had chance to collaborate uh, with other colleagues and other students even from uh, other majors. So um, before I answer your question, I want to thank my co best colleagues um, uh, who helped me uh, with the recent projects, especially the misinformation and uh, polarization uh, research, Dr. Gina's Matthews, uh, Gina Matthews from Computer Science, and Dr. Yulio from uh, Electrical and Computer Engineering Department, uh, and also my awesome students, um, Jackie Otala. Uh, uh, we know her G from Ignite. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. She yeah, works familiar. with us, so we oh. know her. We share an office, so <laughs> her and I definitely have a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah Jackie is awesome, and she uh, did her uh, bachelor in engineering and management, and currently she is a master's student in uh, engineering science. Um, Jill uh, Curtis. Uh, Gillian Curtis and Izzy Grasso. So Izzy is uh, currently graduated. Jill uh, um, is MBA student, and uh, currently I'm working with Abby Matthews. And more students are joining us. <laughs> now back to your question. So don't be shy. As as a student, go talk to your professors if you're interested in any topics, and. Um, just let them know that you are willing to get involved in any projects available. And, you know, it's not like you have to do something, not at all. So you can get involved, and if you were interested, you can proceed, and you can move forward. If not, move on, approach next professors with the new topics, new ideas. And I'm saying that doing research open up new windows to you. Regardless, if you want to go to graduate school or if you want to go right away to job and industry, but it's definitely beneficial for you. It helps you to understand 
the applications, the real, uh, actually, applications of what we've learned in class. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember when I started doing research uh, with Professor Sean and Natasha Banerjee. It was um, my freshman year, and then I published a paper with them. And it was a really interesting time. And ever since then, I've, I've been thinking, and I think I'm like, oh, I could... I can make a model for that, or I can I could build some software, I could create this in virtual environment, and I keep thinking about these things that I want to move forward with research. I was like, I can do the science myself now. Like, I can, I have these skills now to, like, move forward within the scientific process to do these things. Absolutely. So, and it's yeah. definitely, definitely, I think, is a really, really important um, aspect of, especially the Clarkson student life. Yeah. Get involved. That's, yeah. It's what they're there for. Yeah. There uh, you go. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think we're almost at the end of our time here, and it was really, really wonderful, awesome experience having you on. Um, I look forward to hearing more from oh. you and talking to you later for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, guys, for inviting me. That's a great pleasure, and uh, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs>